thanks Matt for uh, making the time to jump on this, uh, this live cast and talk about PR, especially now uh, more than ever. First of all, I want to ask you, how did you end up in uh, in this game of PR? And uh, there's a little bit of a story behind how you got started. So why don't you tell us how you got started with 5x5 Five Five Global? Okay. Well, um, I feel like I've literally been in this kind of profession my whole life because uh, my father um, was in advertising and marketing. And so I, one of some of my earliest memories are of him uh, working in the evening around the uh, around the, the the dinner table, and uh, uh, you know he was he was a very hard working man and built a business up, um, and uh, it's um, ultimately uh, the business that now me and my brother run after him and I working elsewhere. Um, we had. Uh, fairly um, good careers at WPP networked agencies and then went back into the business about 16 years ago and set about uh, transforming it really from what was quite a patriarchal founder-led business into more of a contemporary values-led, um, much flatter uh, business that was um, more attuned to the, to the modern era. How long ago was that? So we took over about 16 years ago, and at that stage, we were just a, a UK business. Yeah. Um, and then through various circumstances, um, I had the opportunity to open an office for us in Los Angeles. Uh, we, had, um, we were doing quite a lot of business with video games companies, and uh, entertainment sort of capital of the world is Los Angeles, and that's where a lot of them were headquartered. So I head over, headed over there in right at the end of 2010 which um, for anyone old enough um, uh, to remember those times as a working uh, person, that wasn't a great time, especially not in the US. Uh, they were kind of really suffering with, um, with the GFC. Yeah. And despite video games being fairly recession-proof, it was still very, very tough uh, trading conditions. So we had a slow start there, but we, we kind of... Um, we, 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 we saw out that period and, and now that, that business in, in LA has been thriving really since I left in 2015. I put somebody in charge of it um, and came over to, uh, came back to Australia and, and at that time opened a Sydney office for us. Yeah, and um, I had a quick look at your website and you've worked with some really amazing brands. So how do you get these gigs how do you build a relationship with these brands mm. to be mm. able to work with them you've got some very impressive names out there yeah look um i suppose we we were fortunate um because uh we when we started in sydney we were already over 30 years old as an entity so we could borrow some some case studies and some um, some successes and, and benefit from some leveraged referrals from from clients uh, working in businesses overseas that had offices here locally. So we definitely worked that. But also, um, I um, appointed and gave shares to um, a, a very talented 
uh, ambitious uh, young 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 woman who worked alongside me and and um, I suppose created the incentive then for the two of us to to build up um, the Sydney office uh, and and she did a fantastic job of of helping me um, with with delivery. I think the the new business um, responsibility kind of fairly and squarely rested with me, but. Um, I think in any kind of certainly within marketing services, I, I've formed the view um, because I've I've done it two or three times now. I, I set up an, an office for Ogilvy in, in Melbourne with a with a creative director, um, and uh, uh, so I, I've definitely formed the view that actually the the ideal number to start from day one is is three. You you, you kind of need somebody focused on the new business. You need somebody. Um, focused on delivery and then a sort of a more, a more junior person for the, taking up the kind of admin side of things if you can afford it to start with three people is um, is, is the ideal kind of uh, balance at least at least in our sector of, um, of marketing services so what are some of the most fun campaigns that you've had to work on that you have thoroughly enjoyed um, uh, probably the one that stands out was many many years ago now, um, and it was actually led out of our UK office. Um, I don't know for any sci-fi fans who happen to know um, a, a series, a very successful series called Red Dwarf. Um, it was uh, approaching its tenth season, and they wanted to kind of reinvigorate the fan base, um, and we. Uh, so this would be 2000 and maybe 2008. Um, and uh, back then it was actually quite uh, ingenious, but we, we did a, a Twitter-activated um, uh, weather balloon that was designed to take um, a leopard lager and uh, a chicken curry to one of the <laughs> lead characters theoretically in space. And the more tweets we got on the hashtag, the more this weather balloon kind of blew up and, and ended up um, going into into outer orbit um, or inner orbit of, of the Earth's uh, outer atmospheres, all live streamed um, to the web and uh, in, in sort of celebration of this 10th season, when it got to a certain altitude, um, a banner was revealed to, to, to give the... Um, to give the date of the of the first season premiere, so um, that was a lot of uh, a lot of fun, um, quite innovative at the time, and um, uh, I, you know anyone concerned about the environment, all the apparatus was recovered. Um, I'm not um, scientific enough to understand how, but it, la it when it by the time it, the weather balloon burst and everything re landed back on Earth, it was only about sixty miles away from where it. Um, where it was uh, uh, released, so um, yeah, it was uh, e even environmentally conscious. So proud about that one, definitely. Um, we did win a gold lion at Cannes. Um, we don't put much kind of stock in in those kind of industry awards, but uh, that was for a, a piece we did for for Philips. Um, some technology around um, ambient. Uh, lighting and um, sensory kind of uh, um, 
magnification of, of particularly playing video games. So that was a nice um, that was a nice recognition at the time. It was around around the same time as well. But you know, probably some of the most um, satisfying stuff is is doing the work that we do with with founders of small startups, and um, we're working with startups that are husband and wife um, bootstrap businesses, giving it a go, and you know, sinking in life savings. Um, and I think that with that comes great responsibility, but also great pride when you produce work that has an impact for them and sets them on their on their way. Um, that's very satisfying. I bet. And uh, and and you know, startups that are bootstrapped or early stage startups that, that do need the media exposure doesn't necessarily have the money to pay for it. So, what are some mm. of the tips and tools? that you would give for a, for a business that's starting or a business that is struggling to build a brand? Um, what, what are some of the easy things that can be implemented? Okay, so that's quite a layered, layered question. I think um, we see a lot of early stage startups that um, don't have a strong uh, visual identity and I think that's fine to begin with, but you do need to be aware as you kind of mature the business through its sort of pre-launch phases and, and going for, for various different investment that it does start to become, um, it can become a bit of an issue and it can, it can hold you back, something as simple as, as a visual identity. So I try and find somebody that can give you a bit of advice around around that um, because as I say you can start off with something quite naive to begin with and I, and I would kind of counsel people to not um, create any kind of or try and create any kind of icon if they're going to do it themselves but just simply represent the business name in a in a clear font that um, is very very simple that that doesn't try and kind of convey any kind of um, misplaced artistic intent so just just go with something really basic for for as long as you feel like you you know there's always going to be a lifespan on that but but it can it's never held anybody back just doing something something really basic with with just the lettering yeah um, and a and a standard font <clears throat> i think i've even seen cases where people have been you know distracted to the point of obsession with with that aspect and again it's a fine line because it does need to represent the, a, a professional um, and sort of well-intended effort at the market, but um, yeah. So I think I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is really the only control that you have over how your brand is experienced um, is your website. And so yeah. <clears throat> again, that's definitely not an area to scrimp and save. Um, I think. Um, you know, again, just this week, I've I've seen a business that um, has come to us for for help, and they and they want to they're ready to spend. Um, he seems very confident about gaining investment, and he's ready to spend a significant amount of money, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And uh, luckily, he is aware that he he needs to um, just present 
himself and his proposition properly on the website because that as i say that's the bit that you can control you can't control what a journalist or a reviewer or an influencer may may say about your your product or your or your service offering you can't always control the conversation on social so um i think making sure that you put a stake in the ground and, and something a piece of communication that you're really proud of um that being that being your website and um the other thing that we we've ended up doing is a lot of the sort of explainer videos yeah um again you know a really simple thing uh to 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 get right and again you know it doesn't have to be a hellishly expensive exercise but the part of that that i would definitely not save look to save too much money on is the script if you can if you can pay somebody to articulate and produce and write a script um then i think you can then take that script and and then take it to some of these crowd uh, crowdsourced platforms like fiverr or whatever and and have somebody um in a in a in a cheaper market um produce that uh, for you if they've got the script they can't go too far wrong but pay somebody as as much as you can afford to 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 nail your proposition in in a script um and have that as your as your working platform to then go and execute against yeah yeah and and, and let's talk about what's happening currently and how it's impacted sales uh mm -hmm. for small brands and and not just just startups so if you have an e-commerce owner or if you're working in retail or you're working in fashion or you've got you know mom and dad shop what are some of the things that we can do now when we are all in lockdown uh when the whole world is experiencing this uncertainty and the first thing that people do is cut down cost yeah. and the marketing budget gets slashed uh so yeah. how what do you think is the best way to approach in the current climate what could people do okay. So the I think the first thing is, and I, I wrote about this recently, that I, I don't think there's been a better time to launch a startup than right now because the whole landscape is disrupted. And so people have a disrupted predisposition. Um, so um, I think I think that's that's the first that's the first thing. Um, I think the other um opportunity right now is to do some um qualitative research and one of the one of the key steps in our sort of launch um planning methodology is this phase of immersion where we try and walk in our prospective customers shoes we yeah. um experience the product that we're trying to to sell them um uh first hand and very very deeply and i think my advice to founders would be to double down on some of that research and discover some of that audience insight and take this time because again there are people with a lot more you know they're no, they're no longer embarking on their commute so they have a lot more um free time and time to invest in in answering answering questions answering surveys just this week i sent one out um and uh i didn't put any paid spend behind it um it was for our own tech startup that we're attempting to to launch in the next couple of months 
um, and, and some research around pricing. I wanted to know people's tolerance around pricing uh, for for the service that we're that we're bringing to market. And so, um, you know, just having fifty or so responses um, to that has given me some great insight. So I, I I think you can you can never have enough of that um, firsthand feedback from your target market target audience. Um, in terms of um, coverage, I think at the moment what we're finding is very, very hard to um, gain any kind of media coverage. Um, we're, we're trying desperately hard every day to, to find angles that, that, that bring relevance to the, the, the proposition around COVID-19 and impact on society and how our product now fits with that. But the, the journalists in Australia are very relatively small group. I think there's stats to say, like, for every one journalist, there's 20 PRs trying to reach them. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it was always a tough job. But now with the media agenda being so strongly driven by um, what's happening on the health, health uh, and economy side, um, with with that kind of news agenda, it's it's even harder to gain that coverage, and so we're we're falling back on some of our um, paid um, strategies around paid social um, to really make sure that we're we're gaining that reach. Um, I think I think influencers might be the um, the one kind of area that perhaps um, is worth people looking at. Um, a bit more seriously if they weren't already and, and taking this time to develop some of those deeper influencer relationships. Again, just our experience on that is to try and find, um, try and invest the time to find those influencers who are perfect for your brand and for your proposition rather than go kind of wide and narrow, uh, sorry, wide and shallow, go, yep. go narrow and deep so work with two or three influencers rather than 30 or 40 you know yeah um and and so this again at this time um i think you'll you'll find that it's um that it's actually easier um to to develop those relationships with influencers and try and and try and get the um the relationship to to a place where a lot more value is being added for anyone b2b um, anecdotal, but in conversations I've had more in the corporate um, end of our client um, roster, um, a lot of B2B sales are actually being um, facilitated by this uh, period of shutdown. So CIOs and CTOs uh, actually have more inclination, more time, more capacity to actually take a meeting. So for anybody who's who's um, looking at kind of the B2B side of things, I, I think, again, it's a good time to to track people down um, and set up those kind of um, those kind of meetings again. I don't, I don't think there's been a better time that I can remember when um, that availability seems to be there. And again, that's fairly anecdotal, but it's just, you know, just just to pass that on as uh, in case there are people listening who who've got that B2B interest. So when, when we're selecting influencers, there are so many influencers out there, right? So how mm. do you how do you select an influencer? Is it based on their number of followers, the number of engagement, 
or how does a brand align themselves with an influencer? What are the things that people should be mindful of? Um, well, definitely we look at engagement over reach. Um, even for clients like um, Lenovo, who we work with on their, on their gaming um, product range um, of laptops and, and desktop PCs, um, they, they've, they've taken our advice and for the last two or three years worked almost exclusively with one or two influencers um, yeah. and um, they, have a, they have a profile but for a brand like Lenovo there would be plenty of others that would have, um, that would have greater reach. Um, the reason they've stuck with this one influencer um, is because the relationship has been built um, on both sides for a period of time and both parties went into it under the terms of a, um, a well-developed contract which obviously we helped with because we managed that relationship on their behalf um, but there was um, there was kind of a pure of heart commitment on, from both parties and that's helped deepen that relationship and now there's there's great value being added um, to that relationship that it's based it, the decision the selection was based upon um, the values of the business and the values this influencer kind of reflected um, it was based on the engagement that she um, she had with her with her audience and yeah um, I, I think I think that beats um, that beats reach but again you know taking the time to understand that person's um, brand fit or um, intentions. Um, it, it's those kind of softer measures that I think count, count, for, count for the most. And I think if you as a founder are active within your forums and your communities, some of those connections will actually naturally happen. We never use um, uh, any, any of the kind of tools um, that allow you to operate um, at scale with influencers. Unfor well, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, we, we, we take a very manual process to the whole thing. And so, um, again, part of how we're, how we're structured um, to serve clients in different categories, we actually employ people based on their passions and interests over their experience and so um, in games for example we've got two people that play games if they could all day long um, certainly yeah. most evening and so they, they they know the ins and outs they're part of that um, they're part of that community beyond their working commitment and so all of that um, connective value is much more easily identified um, and authentically um, kind of nurtured um, from from the beginning and that's I think probably one of the things that clients love about um, working with with an agency when they have that kind of natural affiliation they're part of that. 